Welcome to the 101 Solutions Podcast. 101 Solutions is an operations and technology strategy consulting company. 101 exists to accelerate your potential. They achieve success through customized solutions using their industry-proven methods for your business. Welcome to 101 Solutions Consulting. This podcast uh, includes Jim Siner, Jeremy Hillary, and Greg Stevenson. We're, uh, we're here today to talk a little bit about um, SKU proliferation. In our last podcast, we had some discussion around market research, and uh, there is a definite tie-in between market research and SKU proliferation. Greg, you want to give us a little insight on some of your experience? Yeah, Jim, I'll be glad to. You know, I think skew proliferation is the bane of a lot of companies, and it just kind of happens. You know, if you don't have a process in place to actively manage your products or your SKUs, you end up with excess. And, uh, you know, I think the best companies out there are the ones that go into it with eyes wide open. And, Jim, I like what you said about, you know, the market research piece kind of uh, tying into skew proliferation. You know, a lot of companies, and I've seen it in the past, They'll just throw a lot of product up at the wall to see what sticks. And that adds to your SKU proliferation. So if you use market research right, as we said in our last uh, podcast, it's the recipe and let that drive the product development, then that helps with SKU proliferation. That's not going to fix it because you have to manage it actively. Absolutely. Uh, from my perspective, that from the macro end, the better job you do in market research, identifying customer, consumer, which channels you're going into, you know, the competitive landscape should enable you to come up with the right size and shape of a line to tackle any reason that you're heading into. Then at the micro end of it, again, some experience uh, you were talking about earlier, Greg, but again, I had some experience of that Pareto analysis to manage unprofitable SKUs out point one tackling then the tail that's left to make sure that, you know, we're getting the right size and shape of line and we're actually generating it. Yeah, Jeremy, I think that's great. When you, you say manage that tail, that, that brings me back to my days when I was running business at Haynes. Um, we were the owners of our excess inventory and of the SKUs and obsolescence. So, you know, it hit, it hit my reward. You know, I didn't get bonus properly if I didn't manage that to a certain level. So that's the way you get the attention of the business to focus on that. Um, but you know what we had a process in place that we would meet quarterly and review the deciles, the top ten deciles of our products and where they were stratified, and we'd cut that bottom ten out regularly. Uh, and it's something you got to do because it keeps continuing to grow if you don't. So uh, I think it's great that you you mentioned that. It's good to have that process in place. And the better companies, that's the way they approach it. You're right, Greg. You know the the best in class companies. Um, not only do they do that market research and and really do a great job of managing the proliferation of their SKUs and minimizing it, but more importantly, they have a disposition process, and you know that can be broken into several parts. But one of the key, I believe, successes around the disposition process is defining an owner, uh, an owner of the inventory an owner of the fabric and the trim that in some cases where companies are doing their own manufacturing, they're holding that on their balance sheet. And especially in the apparel industry, with my experience, it's um, always shows up as, you know, the largest asset uh, on your balance sheet and, and becomes a burden from a carrying cost standpoint. If you're not, you know, 
doing the right, uh, you know, if you're not doing a good job, I should say, with disposing of not just finished product through your markdowns and and whatnot, you, you also have to be managing that fabric and that trim. So from a standpoint of a supply chain, you know, that really creates a lot of issues for the manufacturing uh, end of the of the business. Imagine, you know, the space that's required to hold excess fabric. Imagine, you know, going through annual inventories and continuing to have to inventory the same item over and over. So the best way to push this through your, you know, through your supply chain is to have a timetable to where it actually expires. In other words, you know, if you decide as a business that fabric can be held for 24 months, thread could be held for 18 months, elastic and other trims maybe 18 months, you set up that timetable so that those raw materials will actually expire and you got to do something about it. Yeah, Jim, I think, you know, that's a good point. And I didn't even think about, you know, the raw materials. And I'm glad you hit on that. I focus so much on the finished products, but that's just as big a piece. And, you know, it really, uh, you know, as you said, it takes up a lot of warehouse space. <laughs> it uh, it costs money to have that stuff sitting around. And, and you know, the thing that, that I think, as you said earlier, is you have to have a timetable. Well, I look at it, you kind of have to have life cycles for your product that it evolves through from launch to deploy to sell to obsolete and close out. Because if you don't do that, you end up with it sitting around. And as you said earlier, best in class, uh, companies go in with a plan. And I think back to, uh, and everybody knows Nike, and everybody knows how Nike does this. You know, that favorite shoe you had, if you don't buy it now in a season, it may not be there because they develop product with planned obsolescence. So they go into it with eyes wide open, and that's how you, you manage it the best. And to, to build on that, for me, I'm certainly seeing more references to companies who are bringing portfolio management into the seasonal monthly S&OP process for it to be a an active part of managing the, the product line, profitability, balancing supply and demand on an ongoing basis. Yeah, that's that, that's good. You know, the other thing that we didn't really talk about, and I just happened to think about this, and I don't forget it. I know my friend Frank Smigelski would kick me if I don't bring this up because we talk about it a lot, is, you know, if you don't manage your, your SKUs and that proliferation properly, it really affects your profitability. You know, all that extra product sitting in the warehouse that's not selling drags down that profitability. So, you know, it's all-encompassing when you look at that. And so, to Jim's point, it's good to have a process in place going in. And what Jeremy said earlier about the recipe is that, you know, it really does uh, help you drive the right product so you're not faced with uh, maybe a lot of the obsolescence you would be if you haven't done that homework. Just like any process, Greg, I believe that ownership is key, right? So if you've got an owner for this process. And more importantly, as we said earlier, if this is sitting on a balance sheet of a business unit and these items are starting to expire or you have product that's not moving, that's not generating cash, something has to be done with it. And it's amazing to see how quickly an organization can pivot when you tell them, oh, we're going to get rid of you know half a million yards and it's worth this much money on your bottom line, you're going to take a hit. All of a sudden, everyone gets real creative and uh, they figure out how to make that product into, uh, you know, something that will, you know, go straight out to retail and, and they'll they'll generate the cash because obviously uh, they got to move it through. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've been the recipient of that uh, that tale, Jim, and you get really creative really fast when you realize that your uh, bottom line is going to get hit with those numbers. So that's a very good point. I was just going to say, just the last one for me, I think, as we talk about profitability, I think it's important that, yes, measure the margin contribution, but building in some of those working capital costs into that equation, again, I think provides the right focus. Mm-hmm. I like what you said about bringing it in as part of the SNOP process. I don't think everybody does that, and that's a good way so that you review where everything is on a regular basis. Well, we appreciate everyone listening to our podcast today. Again, this is Jeremy Hillary, Greg Stevenson, Jim Siner. If you've got any additional topics that you'd like for us to discuss, give us a shout. We're at 101sbc.com. Thank you. Look forward to hearing from you. Bye-bye.